0: In this episode, Cam is going to talk to us about hypertrophy training. There has been lots of emerging evidence about the physiology and the practice of how to apply hypertrophy training sessions, and Cam is going to take us through some different concepts. Listen on to find out how you can embed this into your practice today. Hello, and welcome to the BodyTrack Academy, created by EPs, for EPs.
1: We'll cover all things clinical, business, and personal growth to help you and the exercise physiology industry reach its potential. If you enjoyed this episode and find something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, and tell your friends to check it out. If you haven't already joined the BodyTrack Academy on Facebook, Look us up, join our community of exercise physiologists, and access more great content. Hello and welcome to the BodyTrack Gain Train. Choo-choo! Now, it's actually the uh, Body Track Academy podcast, and I'm here with Cam, and today we are talking about...
0: Talking about gains, pumps, swells, mass, bulk, all the above. We're talking about muscle hypertrophy and the new concepts around... Getting bigger.
1: Right. Hypertrophy. Okay. <laughs> I got lost there for a moment. No. So many words for it. <laughs> All right. Let's get into it. Uh, definition of hypertrophy.
0: So hypertrophy is just the increase of cross-sectional area of muscles. Really. Okay. So it's where how we train to get our muscles to grow.
1: Yeah. Pretty much. Is that the same growth as getting stronger?
0: Similar, Um, you can get stronger without having a big increase in muscle size, Mm -hmm. Um, however it just depends on what training intensity you have. The newer guidelines are showing that you can do both at the same time quite effectively depending about your your training age and so we'll probably dive into that a bit later on I think. Mm
1: -hmm. And then is size the same as muscle mass?
0: To a point, but not really. There's okay. a there's a few things that jump into um, hypertrophy, and there's new emerging things about sarcoplasmic hypertrophy, which is
1: sounds fancy. Uh, yes, yeah,
0: which is fancy. I mean, but it's the your body's uptake of fluid into your myofibra, into your muscle fibers, mm-hmm. rather than actual the muscle itself getting expanding and more myofibrils And so, there's a couple of ways that Hypertrophy is defined. Mm. It doesn't auto- automatically mean we're just doing increasing muscle.
1: Yeah, and I'm playing dev- devil's advocate here just to get really clear on our definition. That if we're talking hypertrophy, we're thinking size. Yes. That's the safest way is not. Yeah. Don't overlap with strength or mass necessarily. We're talking the size of our muscles.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Biggest factors that relate to hypertrophy.
0: So, conventionally, it's been a thing of time under tension and volume, but like a session volume, yeah. has been the biggest thing. So, it's a, cram as many exercises as you can into the session, mm-hmm. have a repetition range of about 8 to 12 repetitions,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and make sure all those, like the slowing down the movement slightly, just to get as much muscle time under tension as we can,
2: mm-hmm.
0: was the major focus, probably even up until three, four years ago. Um, that was the, the, uh, the American College of Sports Medicine, the ACSM guidelines. The oh,
1: hypertrophy or just like everyone's approach to weight training?
0: Hypertrophy. That's so, what they were saying. Yeah, so okay. it wasn't really to do with intensity so that, that you know, they didn't put uh, a lot of emphasis on how much weight you're lifting. Hmm. It's more so just the volume of the of the session was really important. Okay. Um, so it's only
1: and, recently that that thinking
0: started yeah. to change. Yeah, only probably in the last five years, 10 years, probably since 2010, there's been a couple of um, really good studies out, but only in the last five years there's been a really good actually, kind of um, focus on what we understand about the hypertrophy. I mean, we're still you learning, know, yeah.
1: learning it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And so what is that understanding now?
0: So the, the understanding now is pretty much you just need... To have a stimulus that requires your body to um, overcome a mechanical load
2: yeah.
0: over, like, it's called volume load. So I think it's for your session. So if, if we put this, if we break volume load down, five um, sets of 12 exercises mm-hmm. at one weight realistically oh. should be equal to 12 sets of five reps.
2: Yeah Because it's the
0: same At the same weight The same volume Realistically They should Give the same Volume load For the session So now they're just Instead of saying We just need really high volume And no weight Mm. They're more so saying We need the volume there Definitely Mm. But The load that we're placing On the muscles Is Probably More important Than it's ever been to, To provide that extra stimulus To grow
1: Yeah Pretty much so, if I'm thinking about it uh, as, like, an algebra kind of multiplication problem, mm-hmm. rather than going, like you're saying, 12 times 5, flip it so that my loads yeah. get the heavier load.
0: Yeah, so... so Use can- the heaviest
1: load that you can to get to the same volume, or not necessarily heaviest possible, just...
0: Yeah. yeah, so heavy as possible is probably not the, but we've we've found that training to failure isn't the best way to increase muscle mass, it, you know, yeah. training, so you can't lift that last repetition, mm. or, you know, that doesn't promote muscle growth any better than just keeping it at a intense, like a progressive
2: yeah.
0: overload to not to
2: failure.
0: Mm. Um, what we are finding, so if, say, conventional hypertrophy training, if you were a, person just getting into the gym, mm. you're not really going to know how your body responds. You're not really going to know your fatigue levels. Mm. You're not really going to know what you're or have a true one RM or mm. anything like that. So you can't really measure your intensity too well. Mm. So starting with that conventional, you know, four sets of eight to 12 repetitions mm. is great. Once we become trained, mm. we we can judge our fatigue better so we can work at higher intensities and be comfortable with those higher intensities so you can actually learn to what's your limit and progress that limit really well. So that's when you can tend to just muck around with the reps and sets and um, you can go. So for an Olympic lifter, per se, they would rarely lift over five repetitions in a row, but they still are massive basically because they're volume load of the session, yeah, they're so well trained that they know what their limits are, they know what mechanical stress they can put on their bodies mm-hmm. to get progressions. Yeah. Um so they might do yeah the twelve sets of five repetitions. So it's completely different. But yeah, it just depends who's in the gym really.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Alright. So Kent you said you, at the start there the overlap between strength and hypertrophy. What, you know, what does that look like? Can you, I know like a common question, females, young athletes, can I get strong without getting big Um, or vice versa? Can you get big without getting that much stronger?
0: So, yeah, you can, you can definitely get bigger. So a lot of the, um, a lot of the research has been like lifting 30% of your one repetition max Mm. until failure and what they're finding is you don't get too much stronger by doing that but your muscles grow because you're you're having a big stimulus yeah you're not going to get too much stronger lifting 30 percent of your body weight Mm. one set till failure but you can still get bigger what that means for athletes is we we wouldn't bring that into like an athletic training situation because then we're just training to failure at a weight that's not going to make you stronger or faster. Yep. Um. So, yeah, in, a, in an athletic situation or like someone who wants to get strong for a sport or for a specific event, Yeah. you more try to train higher loads, really.
1: Yep. So then I guess it's kind of leading to, yeah, what are the different... Uh, methods or like hypertrophy training for young athletes where there's a sport specific goal versus uh you know younger person who just wants to put on uh, like size and get bigger and it's more like a comp um, aesthetic or body composition goal
0: yeah yeah so that's what, probably what we see the most especially with young females and males from, from 15 to that 25 30 mm. ages you just want to be bigger you know, so as long as you're providing some kind of progressive overload, so a stimulus that's continually, you have these little satellite cells on your muscle fibers yeah. and they respond to mechanical load. And so you have to be able to lift heavy enough for those satellite cells to respond and to send out signals to make us bigger. Yeah. Um, The way that we do that so if you just have an aesthetic goal Mm -hmm. to get bigger you can spend two hours in the gym you can do four to eight repetitions you can go to failure on some repetitions that have smaller muscle groups and you know that you're definitely getting the right stimulus to grow big and become more aesthetic the only thing with it though is that really high volume high rep range has shown to be to increase type 1 muscle fibres, they're those slower twitch muscle fibres. Yeah. So if you're an athlete, you probably don't want to really increase your type 1 muscle fibres yeah. because you're just going to get slower and not be as explosive and powerful. Mm. So in the situation what you said an athlete is that we wouldn't... Encourage them to spend two hours in the gym because firstly they're going to overtrain with all their training They're doing probably for their sport. Yeah, that's a lot of time
1: that they probably don't have.
0: Yeah, that's a lot of time But we just make it more meaningful training for them So try to get the same volume load out of the session but maybe lower reps higher rest Mm -hmm. um, And just get the stimulus there to grow and and that increases type 2 muscle fibers They're the more fast twitch Mm -hmm. So you can still grow muscle and get powerful and strong at the same time. It used to think that they don't really match up too well, mm. but yeah, you definitely can. It just depends on what your goal is and your training age, really.
1: Yeah. Do you think that's important? Like that education for young athletes. I'm going to go. I don't know, 15 year old boy playing rugby, scrawny kid, but you know, good good skills, but. With all the varying, you know, sizes in that age group, they like going. I need to put on some muscle and some size, or maybe I'm going to get hurt, or I'm also self-conscious about how scrawny I am. And the focus just being on how they look.
2: Yeah.
1: Are you doing a lot of education around? Well, we can serve both goals here and improve performance as well as size. Or yeah. yeah.
0: Well, it's really it's difficult with the situation who haven't been into a gym before. Yeah. Because getting them to a really low rep range and high weight is just gonna get them just too sore. And like they don't they it's don't enjoyable,
2: really... yeah. Yeah.
0: So, education um, education's really important saying, so like because it takes about twelve weeks for your muscles to not just have inflammation after training. Okay. Yeah. So what tends to happen with young, especially if you're a young rugby player and you you know, you see all these bigger guys and the other team you wanna put on weight. Mm. You go, you know, hell for leather for six weeks and, you, and you're looking bigger because you have so much fluid in your muscles trying to recover.
2: Mm.
0: What happens with that is you overtrain, your muscles become a bit sluggish because you've got fluid like kind of hanging around the tendons. Yeah. And then you're at a higher risk of injury mm. from it. So a young person in the gym trying to bulk, usually what you said, they're, they're so keen. like I need to get bigger, and they just go just too hard at it too quick. Yeah. They go four or to six times a week, they're always sore, their muscles are always inflamed. They have actually got much hypertrophy at all in the first 12 weeks. It's purely just neural signal, signaling and repairing.
2: Yeah.
0: And then by the time that the 12 week goes up, sometimes they're like, oh, I'm sick of, I'm sick of the gym. So yeah. being able to educate younger clients on being like, okay, we're gonna do this safely. It's gonna take a specific amount of time don't have to go too crazy too early. Hmm. Um, is really important. Hmm. But, yeah.
1: What are some timeframes that we can expect to put on? Like, let's go. I, mean, I know that individual, yeah, yeah. Yep. Minimum timeframes you would advise a client to see results in
0: putting on size? So, this is a harder one because a lot of the research is done within a university term, so it's 12 weeks. Yeah. And they've shown at 12 weeks, you start to get a really good muscle hypertrophy, but they don't really know what happens after what that. Happens after that. Um, they mm. don't know whether you can just maintain that. Um, but pretty much what we, see to really start noticing difference and seeing strength and all those neural adaptations, so the muscles working together mm. and being able to deal with mechanical load, we're looking at you know 12 to 24 weeks. So it's a, it's a fair you know, chunk of time for you to go through and, like, follow a program. Um, and if you don't have something to follow, you and you're just going in the gym and just lifting everything... Yeah. ...then it gets... Oh, you're going to t- wear t- yourself out. Teenagers to
1: commit for anything for 12 weeks. <laughs> and do 12-week challenges, <laughs> yeah. as they're like, yeah.
0: i
2: mean,
1: um, So setting an expectation that, like, minimum 12 weeks before we start checking back in and seeing what we've got and then go from there.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like, sometimes we start... Too early with young, we start taking circumferences of arms and mm. and legs and stuff, seeing how much we go. But realistically, the muscle's still inflamed. So when it's not meaningful, it's not a though, meaningful yeah. change over six weeks yeah. or four weeks or anything like that. But over you know a six uh, like a twelve week sorry to plus, then you start to see those meaningful changes. So yeah, you have to really let them know. You have yeah. to go. You're probably not going to see anything crazy until that twelve week mark.
1: So do those sort of main recommendations for hypertrophy training, how do they align up with uh, different goals, I guess you talk different like sports, strength, power, speed?
0: Yeah. So those training recommendations, you can still do the 8 to 12 repetitions in a block of training. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be a really good way just to break up really high explosive, movements because you realize that your body can't just keep doing high explosive movements Mm year-round it can be a good way to just break up training blocks especially in the off-season just trying to put on some muscle mass extending the volume of the session without overtraining. Mm -hmm. during season that's when we have to be a bit more responsible responsible about not overloading so with with programming for clients usually our hypertrophy block or our is aimed at just maintaining a good level of muscle mass, not trying to, mm. you know, go really big um, during the season because we're just going to promote some overtraining and, and muscle soreness,
1: mm.
0: really.
1: Are there any issues, like, as well as the overtraining that, uh, you know, in those developmental years, there's so much other growth and change to the body that, I don't know, is it like, more beneficial to introduce stimulus, then you'll get more of a response with growth. Can it be detrimental that there's already so much going on and we're adding more factors for the body to respond to?
0: Yeah, like well, there's de- definitely, like, while well, you're in those, you know, this testosterone and, and hormonal years yeah. of, you know, when you know, that'd be 13 to 17, 18 you You have to be wary of overtraining because yeah. you're growing, usually they're playing multiple sports at the one time, uh, and then we're sh- if we're trying to overload younger athletes mm-hmm. and by just making them do heaps in the gym because they're young, fit and they do like, recover quickly like that, yeah. it tends to have some poor results. Yeah. What I like to do with my clients is for especially my younger clients is really set those boundaries early and to say, we're not expecting to get too much bigger in the first you know, six to eight weeks. Yeah. All we're doing is we're expecting you to get all those muscles working together and all those all those little satellite cells and all those neural kind of pathways and synchronization. We want to get that all fired off so your body's working really well together yeah. and it's prepared to grow. Yeah. So then we can, so they're not having these expectations of like, I'm at the gym, yeah. I'm gonna get massive. Yeah, okay let's debunk that yep. and let's just start from the baseline, get your body working well. And once that's there, we can just go up from there. And then you might start to see some of those, but if we can load properly. Sometimes we can't, sometimes we just have to work on some. Keep
1: focusing on that too. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. the, on the basics. Yeah, that's it. Yep.
1: And how important is rest between
0: sets? Rest, it used to be thought not too important. It used to be thought that, you know, to grow muscle Let's in that hypertrophy, the work. Yeah, get just, the work down. you know, one minute rest, get straight back into it. Mm. One minute rest, get straight back into it. And you do have a lot of muscular fatigue doing doing that. Um, mm. Now the rest is more so to do with what type of exercise it is, so if it's a compound exercise, say like a squat, or mm. and, you're, and you're lifting at that higher weight and lower mm. reps we, we want to aim for, you know, two, three minutes rest. Um, when we start to get the complementary exercises in later in the session, say a bicep curl or, you know, a tricep exercise or something, mm. because it's only singular joints and they tend... You tend to... Have, and it doesn't need as much neural drive. Mm. You tend to only need that minute break. So I think depending on exercise and what intensity, purely... Yeah determines rest i don't think it's like a blanket hypertrophy we just do one minute rest yeah the aco the acsm guidelines have been updated um, last year okay and they have really good recommendations for novice
2: mm.
0: intermediate and, and experienced lifters to, for hypertrophy and they have all the rests and stuff in there so definitely if someone's looking to update their knowledge of the guidelines have a look Go at the new acsm out. guidelines
1: yeah we'll see if we can pop a link in the show notes do you think enough young athletes understand the purpose of rest or like what happens during the rest between sets like I'm sure they've heard it and they get told to slow down and, and rest but like they don't understand why or what what the point of it is yeah not not yeah. unless
0: you specifically talk about it
1: yeah like i've had or how do yet yeah, how do you explain it to that I
0: yeah know. so pretty much we you have to explain it as this is needed for your body to recover and get stronger mm. if you explain it so, so a lot of the time if you're young coaches and stuff like that they're really trying to push through get as much done in the session as you can mm. um but when you go into a strength and conditioning a gym situation you then have to re-educate and just say, I know that you like to be pushed all the time, and but for you to get stronger,
2: mm.
0: we need to have this rest. This is your body like right, preparing to get stronger from the next um, set. Mm. If, and sometimes if you put it in a way that if you do this, you're going to get better, mm. you're going to get stronger, then they can start to understand that, okay, this is what I'm doing. It's good for me. I don't have to just go. Like full on every bit of the, every bit of the session.
1: Yeah, and um, did, do you go into the specifics of like, uh, like you're saying the neural recovery kind of thing? Like, do you go in that deep?
0: That mean, we yeah, like depending on the on the client, but yeah, usually I'll just say right now your if, if they're first four weeks, yeah, go right now your muscles are learning how to talk to each other. And if we don't, if we have so many, if we don't have rest and we have so much input, mm. they're not going to learn how to work together. They're just going to get
2: fatigued.
0: Yep. Um, so if with my younger clients, I just say we need to have that rest so they can, they can recover and then we can start interacting again, mm. um, pretty much instead of just um, going for fatigue and just having muscle damage rather than neural benefits.
1: Yeah. I think that's good because I mean, most often, if you understand the why behind something rather than just being told what to do, yeah. Sometimes, not always. Sometimes, sometimes, it can help. Yeah, I mean, that's it. Yeah. Um, we'll like we'll definitely have um dietitians and and stuff on to have a chat, but I know you, like you're always going to get asked about nutrition for athletes and hypertrophy. What do you? I mean. First tell what you think and then maybe let's talk about like the scope of having those conversations with, with clients. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you recommend?
0: So there's some specific guidelines um, following hypertrophy and again, this is dietitians, domain, um, sports dietitians, and we work with a couple of great ones at BodyTrack. So but pretty much you're trying to aim for a really good amount of protein up to two two point two grams per kilogram of body weight uh-huh. um, per day. The o- The only thing with proteins is that your body, depending on makeup, your body can only really break down 20 to 40 grams of protein at a time. Yeah. So there was a lot of people to grow, they had those mass gainer shakes and they can be up to 60 to 120 grams of protein in one shake um, for the mass gainers and it's just too much.
1: You um, probably can't use it. As, yeah, you can't icing.
0: use it all. We're just wasting it all and making ourselves feel a bit crook, especially mm. in the stomach. Um, so it's really important while we're trying to gain muscle is is being able to spread the proteins out through the whole day. Yeah. Um, it's been shown that muscle protein synthesis or our ability to be able to uptake and, and um, proliferate muscles and get stronger mm. That's heightened if you have really good protein and take 24 hours after exercise. Okay,
2: yeah.
0: Um, so what I, what I tend to suggest with my clients is just get the protein sorted first. Mm. Get, get your day of protein, and if that be, you know, 180 grams for the day, mm. we need to spread that out as well as we can throughout the day. Yeah. Um, then carbohydrate timings, they is after exercise still shown to be a really good time Um, with those proteins as well they used to leucine was thought to be the major protein that was the one that kind of goes into our anabolic pathway Um, they're timed there's some new research out that tends to say that it doesn't matter what amino acid you use as long as you're getting proteins in Mm. um, at the right times and they're good Proteins, yeah. you don't have to aim for leucine specifically. Um, so, it, as well as like when you have your um, your supplements, the supplement companies try to sell you like whey protein, like WPI. Yeah, um, and it's a lot more expensive than whey protein concentrate. Concentrate's yeah. like, oh no, it's not as effective, it's going yeah. to be just as effective. Yeah, there's no difference. Um, So I just want to concentrate, (laughs) save some money, Um, but yeah. And so, so you have to, I always get, yeah, protein first, carbohydrate second, and then you have your omega threes and sixes and fatty acids. And Mm. it's cool, I wouldn't be able to say the exact name, the DHA fatty acids, they're the ones in salmon and stuff like that. They've shown to be pretty important as well in trying to put on muscle. So again, physio um physio dietitian Mm -hmm. domain full
1: disclaimer full disclaimer
0: (laughs) okay um dietitian domain but i think it's important to get the nutrition first Mm. and then support it with the gym exercise because you're going to recover a lot better
1: yeah applying that to like a a client then you we talk about like form and introducing the right patterning and, and those pre- preparation to grow, I think is a really well phrased way that you put yeah. it. Is that the kind of time that you would discuss diet and, and get on top of those things uh, while you're preparing the movement, prepare their diet so that everything's set up ready to fire when we want to address hypertrophy?
0: Yeah, yeah, of course, from the get-go, yep. from the, the f- first session because a lot of the fatty foods and trans fats, they promote inflammation
2: yeah.
0: and actually go in exactly the opposite way of how our muscles grow. So if I'm trying to get them into exercise and we expect muscle inflammation, until we, there's no going around it until yeah. we get used to exercise. And then we're also we're having inflammation that's not the most desirable thing. And then we're eating foods that also promote inflammation, say like your fatty um, deep fried foods. Yeah. Then we tend to be having our recovery times longer. Our um, strength gains are slower. Mm. Our injury risk is higher. So in my first session with someone looking to gain a bit of weight, I say, clean up your diet, pretty much. Mm. Um, Get before you add in a lot of your protein shakes. Let's make sure everything else is right throughout the day. Let's make sure you're getting proteins at really important times throughout the day. And if you you're younger and you need more protein, you need that shake. Then let's add that on top of. Um, but yeah, so first session is when I refer onto a dietitian or we have a bit of a chat through through diet.
1: Yeah. What are your indicators like? I mean, we've made it clear with with scope. At what point, like, do you have red flags or indicators of like? Um, when to see a dietitian, like bringing it up and discussing diet from the start. But there are times where you just not not comfortable continuing to have the conversation, you know, anymore. Or I mean, and we've got to consider parents involved in these decisions as well. They've just come to see you, paid good money for your assessment, and you've said, "Oh, actually, you need to go on to yep. see this other person too." <laughs>
0: yeah. and that's <laughs> just your basic guidelines. And it's so like if we can follow that the best we can. So, and then I just get on with our training. Yeah. That's why we reassess. Mm. If we reassess and we're just we know we're doing the right stuff in the gym mm. and they're just not getting the outcomes that they want, mm. then I bring it up again and yeah. say, How's the food pain? Have have we been carrying like what are we having throughout the day? And mm. so that that would be my flags of just like if we're not reaching the goals and we really should be reaching goals, yeah. then we have to talk to the parents and say what you're doing is great, but maybe we need to have a bit more of a specific goal for your child to yeah. get to reach their, you know, performance goals. Because realistically, as a kid, all your goals are performance related. Whether that be like school sprints or football teams, or mm. you know, everything's you have to perform to get into teams, your school team, your rep teams, and stuff like that. Mm. So if they're just not getting stronger and they're not hitting their goals in the gym they're probably not going to be hitting their goals out yeah. in in their sporting situation as well.
1: Mm. And it's a bit of a value thing, like, they're investing their time and, you know, and money into training with you, if they're not also investing in nutrition and, and diet to support that, then they're not getting the value or the outcome sort of thing. Like, yeah, that's
0: it. Yeah, You can only go so far, yeah. you know, you can only go so, and that's what you have to explain, you can only go so far without everything on board at the one time. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just do the exercise and strength you will get progressions of course you will yeah. but you might not get what you your end goal would be mm-hmm. that that high level goal
1: or as efficiently like, yeah kind of that's tiny. it yeah yeah what do you wish every young athlete knew about hypertrophy training
0: that it takes time mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing that i would I do to all of our clients but mm-hmm it's not a four week get into the gym. Do as much as you can in the gym kind of thing. It's a years it takes years to gain really good muscle. Yeah, you know, if you talk to most of the um, even even in the anesthetic world of the anaesthetic the aesthetic world, mm-hmm. um, it takes, you know, a good seven years of training to to show to be a get up on the stage. Yeah. Um, if you talk for most athletes, they've been training in the gym, they're in the NRL or they've been training in the gym since they were 15, yeah. usually for feeder teams and stuff like that. So they've probably had seven, eight years of consistent non-stop training to get as big as they are. Yeah. So it's all about time and patience and periodization. Yeah. Seeing someone and getting a program to be able to grow safely. Hmm. Is is the biggest thing, but yeah, it just takes time. Yep,
1: yeah. probably not something that uh, every young athlete wants to hear. That's time it. and
0: patience. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, but that's the reality. Hey,
0: that's exactly it.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for another great chat, and uh, look forward to talking more uh, athlete development soon. Brilliant. Thanks, Tara. Thanks for listening to the Bodytrack Academy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and found something useful, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, and tell your friends to check it out. If you're not already in the Body Track Academy on Facebook, look us up. Join our community of exercise physiologists and access more great content.